So last week we were talking about the hope and our focus during this Advent season, right? And we, we were learning that Advent means coming to, right? And that's really the thrust of it. And um, what we're coming to is the birth of Christ Jesus the Lord and how it is so important. And, you know, um, in today's world, we are um, thrust into so many different things and so many different beliefs and, and focuses and um, things like that. But even the baby Jesus is worshipped as the baby Jesus almost to the point as if he doesn't, never grew up. Have you noticed that? All right? And the baby Jesus is representative of, well, we think of the kids, you know, when they are um, having their programs and all of these different things and, and, and the baby Jesus. But when you think about it, the birth of Jesus, the baby Jesus, he didn't stay that way. We recognize that God the Father sent Christ Jesus, His only Son, the Messiah, all right, and began God's plan of salvation here on this earth. And we talked about the, in the humbleness, if you will, the, the humility in which Christ the Savior was born in a stable, in a shed, if you will, and, and placed in a, a box where the animals feed from, a feed box, and how humble that was. And, and we talked also about how the, the shepherds, uh, they, they were not good people. They were not nice. They were not, uh, you know, um, highly thought of. They were the untouchables of society. Nobody liked the shepherds. They were not nice. They were liars and thieves. And yet, God, in His wisdom and His love for humanity, you and me, sends the most important message to ever be sent in all of creation and in all of history that His Son was born in Bethlehem. And He, he commands that these shepherds take this message and they spread it all around. He tells them, take this news. Tell everyone that in Bethlehem is born the Son of God, the Messiah. Jesus didn't remain a baby. He grew up as a man. He grew up as a teenager. Can you picture Jesus as a teenager? Jesus was a teenager once. Jesus fell down and he skinned his knee, just like you and me. Jesus, though fully God, fully divine of God, was fully human as well. And that's hard to wrap our minds around. That's difficult for us. You know... The word Messiah, if I can uh, quote for you, the word Messiah in definition means the promised deliverer 
of the Jewish nation prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. Secondly, a leader or savior of a particular group or cause. So Messiah is the deliverer, this savior that was foretold many years prior. And so the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, in fact, were waiting for and hoping for, and we talked about this last time with last week's focus, was hope. And how Advent, this Advent season is to remind us of these things. That's all it is. That's it. All right? And we can get very liturgical about all of these things and and make the focus on lighting the candle and all that stuff, but that's not it. The focus is on Christ. The focus is always on Christ. It's just a tool to help us remember. And this week's focus is faith and how important it is. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, the Bible says. If we don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, what is faith? What is faith? If you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to get a, an idea of what the Bible describes to us as faith. Hebrews 11. So the Bible... This area of the Bible right here, Hebrews 11 and 12, it talks about the faith hall of fame, if you will, okay? And if you want to be in God's hall of fame, you got to have faith, all right? And so we're going to kind of just uh, we uh, read through this here, and if you would just uh, be patient and um, allow me to read this in its entirety... It's going to give us a, uh, a round, well-rounded picture of what faith is to God. Now, faith is confidence. This version reads a little bit differently and it might explain just a little bit different. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Well, how can you be sure of something that you don't see? Well, you believe. You believe. That's exactly what faith is. How can you be confident in something that you're hoping for that has never happened? Well, the ancients, the, the people, in the prophets and, and in the Old Testament, they were known for these things. They were known for the hope of which they had in Christ to come. They did not experience it, but they hoped for it. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, by faith. And he he goes on and he gives examples of this and helps us to understand what faith is by the examples that these certain people left for us, okay? By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. The universe was formed at God's command, all right? So that's not something that we actually can see, 
All right? We see the evidence of these things afterwards, okay? But by faith, all right, which is not seen, okay? By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Friends, this is very clear and is refuting doubt that God created these things. And this phrase, so that what is seen, that what we see around us, was not made out of what is visible. It's saying God did it himself. God did that. And we are to believe that. That's what faith is, friends. By faith, in verse 4, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Well, God was favoring one of them. God, God favors him over the other one. No. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. All right? But listen. Abel brought God the offering that God wanted. That's what it's all about. Abel obeyed. By faith, he was commended as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead for many, 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 many years. All right? He speaks because of his actions. He brought God a suitable offering for a king, if you will. All right? You don't bring a king just what is easy for you to get a hold of. All right? That's not honoring. That's not respecting. That's not showing um, um, homage. It's not showing greatness. All right? That's just making it easy on you. But he's saying that Abel brought God a suitable offering, and that's why God received it. Okay? Verse 5, by faith Enoch was was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. And we learn about this in the Old Testament as we read it. He could not be found. Why? Because God had taken him away. And it's said of Enoch that he walked with God. Enoch walked with God. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, what? Is it impossible to please God? Because anyone who comes to him must believe first that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see, before our prayers can do anything at all, we have to first understand and believe that God exists. Who is the person, this deity that we're praying to? Prayers mean nothing unless they're going to something that has the power to answer them. God has the power to answer. God exists. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, and here's another story, when warned about things yet 
not seen. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. It is said that it took Noah 120 years to build this ark. Now, this ark, God gave specific measurements. God gave Noah specific measurements as to what this ark was to be like. <laughs> I saw a, uh, a meme going around Facebook the other day. I think my wife shared it. And it had this big, big ark, this cartoon ark, you know. And it had a bunch of holes in the side. And, and Noah's saying to his wife, yeah, I think that woodpecker's going to have to go. <laughs> that, yeah, that could cause a problem, I would say. All right. So... When Noah was warned about the things to come, the destruction, the flood, he had faith. He believed what God was telling him. And in so doing, because he believed, he acted upon that belief, even though everyone else around him was calling him a fool. Noah, what are you doing? What are you doing now, Noah? Well, I'm building an ark. What's an ark? Well, it's like a big boat and boat and because there's a big flood coming. What's a flood? Well, it's going to be a lot of rain coming. What's rain? <laughs> okay. They hadn't experienced these things. The floodgates of the earth are going to open up and, and water's going to come out. What's what are you talking about, Noah? You've lost your mind. And yet, Noah stood firm. Noah continued to believe. Noah continued not only to believe, but to act on that belief, to act on that faith. And that's what it's all about, friends. Believing and having enough faith to act upon that faith. By faith, in verse 8, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went. Father Abraham is commended as a man of faith because God said to him, Abram, which was his name prior to God's involvement in his life, prior to his calling, Abram, I want you to leave this place that you call home, and I want you to go somewhere that you never heard about, that you've never seen. And Abram, I'm going to give you this, this, um, this area as yours. It's going to be your inheritance. It's going to be your land. And from now on, it's going to be yours. Well, I, I don't know who this God is, but... Abram took him at his word, and he believed him. When he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. 
For he was looking forward, now listen to this, in verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I love that, that phrase right there. Abraham was looking forward to something that he couldn't see. He was looking for something that God was going to give him, and he was trusting God. He was believing in God. He had faith in God. This would be a good um, phrase, part of a, a verse to remember. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Wow. That is amazing. God is the architect that's building this, quote, city that he was going to give Abraham. And by faith, in verse 11, when Sarah, who uh, was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made this promise. See, God told Sarah and Abraham that you're going to have a child a year from now. But she was in her 80s, 90s. She was an old lady. She was past childbearing age and had no children. But God promised. God promised. All right? And if you remember the story, she chuckled. She chuckled about it. All right? And so from this one man, Abraham, and as he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. If God had not intervened, promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son, there would be no descendants. There would be no Christians. There would be no Israel. But because he believed, as, and did she believe later, that God was faithful. And they trusted God. And because they did, God was faithful. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. What does that mean? How, what does that mean they were living by faith when they died? They, that means that in some of these cases... What they were promised didn't come true at yet, okay? God promised that, his, that Abraham's descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky, if you could ever count them, or as many as the grains of sand on the seashore, if you could ever count them. Abraham and Sarah didn't see that. All they know is they got their boy. And through him, God created the nation of Israel. And thus, us Gentiles. Wow. All these people were still, were still living by faith when they died, meaning that they were still hoping for last week's message. They're living in faith, waiting for that day, trusting that God would keep His promise. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them 
and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Let's just stop right there. I was doing a study this week on this very thing. Notice what God calls us there. Foreigners and strangers on earth. What does that mean? What does that mean we are foreigners? Strangers on earth. We're a bunch of aliens. That's what it means. We're aliens. That explains a lot about you people. Yeah. We are an alien, right, is some, somebody from somewhere else. We're foreigners. We're strangers here. We don't live here but for a time. We were created to spend eternity with God. We were created with an inert uh, belief in us and a hunger and a longing to be with God, to have relationship with Him. And yes, what we experience here on earth is all that our eyes will ever see. We have the rest of eternity to spend with God. And we were created to do that very thing. We are strangers in a strange land. We are foreigners here. We are aliens here. This is not our home. Friends, sometimes I think that we get too comfortable. We get too comfortable thinking that this life is all that there is. When we begin to think like God thinks, we see this world and our lives quite a bit differently. We live differently. When we live knowing that we are not going to be here in this place forever, but that we're going to spend eternity with God, we live differently right here. Because there's that hope. There's that faith that there's more to come. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. That sounds a lot like what was said down here. They was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. They are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one a divine country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. And do you remember what Jesus said to His disciples? I'm going to be leaving you soon, and if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going there. To prepare a place for you, Jim, for you, Clifford, for you, Mary, and so on. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go there, I will return. I will come back to take you to come with me to be where I am forever. (laughs) To be where I... Do you see 
Man, the love that God has for you and me. He, he wants us to be with him forever. Oh, it's so beautiful. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, a city prepared for them. In verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. So here we go. For those of you who don't know the story, uh, Abraham and Sarah are given this baby boy. He, He starts to grow up. He's their only son that the promised son, the one God promised them, and now God is testing him. He says, I want you to sacrifice your son. Say what? (laughs) You want me to do what? It was a test. It was a test to see if Abraham would obey God. God never intended for him to kill his son. But he was testing him to see where was his devotion. Was his devotion only to his son or to his wife or to his land? Or was it to God? God tests us, friends, all the time, over and over, to see where our devotion is. Sometimes when we have things that are dear to us, our devotion goes to those things instead of to God for those things. When God gives us money, income, He's testing us to see are we thankful for the money or are we thankful for God who gave us the money? When we have our children, is our devotion to our children or to God who gave us our children, and so we are thankful for to God for our children. Do you see that? And there is a concept. I, I really struggled with um, this uh, children thing when I was young, a young father. It really bothered me. To, I was just worried about my kids all the time to the point that it was like I couldn't control it. It really bothered me to know my kids were could get hurt or stolen or, you know, these crazy fears that, that was a big deal for me. But over time, you begin to trust God and you know that He is faithful. And what better place can you put your children than in God's hands? And so Abraham trusted God. He had faith in God that even if, God forbid, he was to take his son's life, that God would bring him back from the dead. Like God was going to do something. He didn't know what it was going to look like, but he knew that God was going to work it out. And so he trusted God. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God has said to him, it is through this boy, this one, that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, Abraham did receive Isaac back from the dead because in his mind and in his heart, he was doing it. He was ready to do it. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. 
by faith, Joseph, uh, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his own bones. And by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was... And it's going through all of these things. By faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did this. And these people are in God's faith hall of fame because they had faith in God. There is a belief out there in the world today that you need some kind of faith. Faith in anything will do. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a lie from Satan himself. You can believe in anything, and as long as you believe in anything, that's faith, and that'll do. It won't do. It won't do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the gate. He is the door. What is it that we have faith in? What is it that we need to have faith in? In Christ the Lord. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again, but will have the light of life. What is the light of life? That's a battery that consistently recharges itself all by itself and never needs to be maintained by somebody. The light, the light of Christ, he is the light of the world. And if we are his children, if we walk in him, then that light of Christ is in us. And we're all a bunch of little lighthouses. That's what we are. Alabama Full Gospel, the lighthouse, with a bunch of little odd-looking lighthouses that go about everywhere, shining the light of Christ. Uh, Let's just keep moving here. John... Chapter 3, verse 19, this is the verdict then. So let's put an underline. All this stuff prior comes down to this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved their darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Does that sound like anything that we see today? Light has come into the world. What is the light that has come into the world? Jesus Christ is the light of life. He has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than light. People loved evil more than they loved Christ because their deeds were evil. That's the world in which we live. That's the world in which we live. So this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to, to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace and death. She could have been killed. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So when you are betrothed to someone, you're, you're, you're virtually married to them. You're just not together yet until the time has come that you are old enough or so on, okay? And so, uh, so Mary was found to be pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, and Joseph was going to put her away quietly. And once this word got out, the whole town's people would be all over Mary, ready to stone her. But Joseph, a kind man, did not want to disgrace her or to have her suffer in this way. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us, Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Down in verse 6, chapter 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you... Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Out of you, Judah, will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. God with us. We have that hope. We have faith. We have a Messiah, a deliverer which is the definition, a deliverer, a savior. And this week, in our Advent candles, we light the second candle. And it reminds us of the faith that we have in Christ the Lord. Jesus, the only begotten of the Father. And as we near Christmas Day, as we near the day that is on our calendar, it wasn't necessarily the day that Jesus was born, okay? It is the day that we observe. That's all. It's the day that we observe on our calendar the birth of the Savior. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful.
for all that you have done on our behalf. We're thankful for the love, Lord, that you have for us, though we do not deserve it. Help us to believe. Help us to have faith, Lord. In your word, it says in a couple different places, once in the Gospels and once in the Psalms, help me in my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in the areas where my faith is weak. We call upon you, God Almighty. Lord, we just want to give you honor and praise today. And we focus on you this Christmas season, this Advent season, as we are coming to the birth of the Savior. We look on with hope and with faith. And Father, we have faith and believe that you will do just what your word says, that you will come back and take us to be where you are with the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Messiah, our Deliverer. And may we not stray from these things. May, may we remember and focus on our, our hearts on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.